Hello, and welcome to the Her True Strength Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Laura Lindahl, and today's topic is for the women whose mind is begging them to get back to it, but their body is holding them back. Today, we're going to cover how to bounce back after a training injury so you can get back to the lifting that you love without another injury setback. True Strength Podcast is your faith-based approach to discovering how to build your strongest body yet. You'll learn how to strengthen your mind, body, and spirit all through the lens of the gospel. I'm your host, Laura Lindahl, follower of Jesus, lifter of weights, and adventure enthusiast. And I empower faith-based women to build strong bodies from the inside out so they can confidently impact the world with strength and grace. Welcome to the Her True Strength Podcast. Well, hello, hello there. Coach Laura Lindahl here. And after having a few training injuries myself, today's podcast topics is one that sits very near and dear to my heart. And while a lot of what we will cover today was covered in my exercise science degree coursework, there will be some practical and proven tips and tricks that you can use to help you bounce back faster than you fought from a training injury. But before we dive in, I think it's really important to set up some context for today's conversation. I am not a physical therapist, doctor, or surgeon. I am an exercise physiologist, personal trainer. And although I've had experience working under many physical therapists and working in physical therapy as a technician, today's context will be for the woman who has already sought counsel from their therapist, MD, and who is looking for a safe path to effectively get back to lifting again after an injury. I cannot and will not be diagnosing or cueing any medical disorders or diagnosis over a podcast. That sounds fair, right? Awesome. Well, today is about building the bridge that connects us from an injury presenting pain to a diagnosis, rehab, and a return safely to the gym. How do we get from one point to the other without setbacks or even worse, re-injuring ourselves? I believe that the bridge to recovery must first start with a blueprint because what construction project gets started without a plan? Am I right? It's important to know where we are and where we want to go and the steps to get there. After an injury, our body is pretty much in shock mode, right? The injury happens, we're in pain. We're guarded, somewhat scared and nervous really about what our body can do, which is totally normal and a natural reaction to pain. It's our body's way of sounding an alarm to let us know that everything is just not okay. But where most women get stuck is never turning the alarm off. It's like the fire alarm went off. We've all exited the building, but won't go back inside because the alarm is still going off, even though the fire has been put out, which is why the very first step I recommend for clients who are coming back from an injury is to start with their breath or to turn off the alarm. Regardless of where your injury occurred, your breath is what really connects our body's two nervous system pathways, aka sounding the alarm. Do you know what those two pathways are? Well, we have two. First is our sympathetic nervous system. This controls our fight or flight reactions that boost the body's energy and stress hormones and keep us alert and on a lookout for threats. Secondly, we have a parasympathetic nervous system. 
That's the one that helps us rest and digest. It tells our body that everything is safe and it's time to return to our regular programming, like digesting food and sleeping to rebuild the body. When we connect back into our breathing, we can actually train our body to come from a place of fight or flight and return to resting and digesting or a place where we think that we are safe after an injury. And for many clients, this looks like developing a breathing practice during their warmups. And personally, I find it best to be in a 90-90 position with their feet elevated on a bench and knees bent up at 90 degrees. I hope that makes sense. Lying down your back, knees bent up at 90 degrees, calves resting on a bench. By starting with our breath, specifically in this position, we can bring our body to a place where it feels safe and prevent muscle guarding that can hold us back from improving our range of motion or returning a joint to its full function. Here's something to try on for size and a practical application of this. If you've been fighting to get a muscle to stretch or loosen up or maybe doing a lot of muscle guarding, get yourself into this 90-90 position where you're lying down on your back, your feet are elevated up at 90 degrees on a bench, and you are relaxed. Start by closing your mouth and inhale into your nose for a count of five seconds. You should feel the air filling your low belly and expanding your ribcage out almost like an umbrella. Then on the exhale, after the five seconds in, let the air exit out your nose passively and pull your belly button up and in for a count of five seconds. Try to sink deeper into the stretch by releasing the air out through your nose until the five seconds is up. Repeat a few times and notice the difference that you feel in your muscle tension just after a few minutes of this nasal breathing. If you'd like, I recommend pausing this podcast and doing some to practice. One of my favorite books about breath is by an author called James Nestor, and he says that the power of nasal breathing can link our body back to its resting and digesting response, which in turn allows our body to relax into deeper stretches and to recover faster. You certainly don't have to, but I'd give this a try before your next workout or prehab exercises. So we've started with the breath and we've gotten some relaxation, but you may be asking, Laura, how am I supposed to get back to my workouts without being in pain? What's this bridge that you're talking about? Well, while it's near impossible to give you a roadmap without understanding your specific situation, here's five practical steps that you can take regardless of your type of injury to get back to training and lifting like an athlete again. Step one, set the expectation. I know a lot of women, me included, who are impatient with themselves to say the least. We tend to think we're superhuman. And while our bodies are capable of some pretty incredible stuff, they all have the same healing pathways and they all take time. So it's really important that we set a realistic expectation for our return to normal, quote unquote, after an injury. Because If we can't crank up the intensity or if we try to crank up the intensity too soon, we can very easily land ourselves one step forward and three steps back, if you know what I mean. So here's a general guideline that I've found to be helpful with my clients when it comes to setting an expectation for things to return to normal. Take the timeline and throw it away. That's it. Probably wasn't what you were expecting, but to be honest, the timeline that we've set for ourselves often does more harm than good. 
There is no fast or slow healers. We all heal in our own time and in our own way. Set this expectation for yourself instead. Be patient. Be a good listener for your body and what it's trying to tell you. Be present and show up consistently regardless of how much or how quickly you think you're progressing. So in step one, we're setting the expectation not to have an expectation on how quickly we'll get back to normal. Because here's the reality, injured or not, we're constantly changing into a new normal. Your body is learning all the time how to move and do the best it can. So be patient, young pad one. Be patient. Okay, on to step two in this bridge is to assess, assess, and and then assess again. I can't say how important it is that we assess the body's movement after an injury. Now, there's a few ways that we can get assessments. And unless you're a trained professional who has seen studies and thousands of humans biomechanics, it can be a little challenging to know what it all means. What are the specific joint motions at the big toe to look for or at the elbow? And so here's something that I would recommend for the general public. The first is to video record your lifts. Video assessments show us what we may not feel is happening in our body. For example, in college, I would always complain of knee pain after a leg there with heavy squats, but I never felt it while I was squatting. Then I watched a video of myself and lo and behold, my right heel was lifting off the ground every rep I squatted, but I could not tell that unless I had a video. So the video tells us what our body isn't detecting or isn't telling us. I literally had no idea it was happening until I saw it on tape. So video record yourself from different angles, from the back, from the side, while you're deadlifting, while you're squatting, while you're doing pull-ups. Video recording is a phenomenal way to assess yourself and your own movements. While video recording is a great form of assessment, I would also recommend some range of motion testing. And while I don't expect the average Joe or Josephina to know the exact degree of normal limits for, say, hip internal rotation and how to assess it, there are some simple assessments that you can do from home to test your own joint range of motion. I do include these assessments in the True Strength Builder program so that my clients can see their progress over time as they increase their mobility and strength at the same time. But while these may be the more optimal ways, being having a program to run you through an assessment or to have a professional help you through it, those obviously are more optimal. But when it comes to progress, sometimes even a broken ruler will measure the same inch every time. So when all else fails, do a Google search for the joint that you're looking for. Type in range of motion test for, and then the specific joint that you are looking to improve your range of motion for. I be it hip, shoulder, knee, you kind of get the point. Fill in the joint there. Record yourself doing that specific test. Again, video recording is super helpful. So video record yourself doing that specific range of motion test a few times. And then go ahead and retest your range every three to four weeks to see if you're making progress. For those of you who are really heavily oriented on making progress and knowing that you're moving in the right direction, this is a fantastic way to make those small gains, big victories just by seeing small changes in your joint range of motion. So we do live in the 21st century and Google is very helpful. So when all else fails, Google range of motion tests. 
Okay, on to step three. That is this, push to tension, not pain. My dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to lay rest the phrase, no pain, no gain. The fiery passion that burns inside my heart with this phrase is so real. And also, so is the millions of people who have been hurt by it. Pain is not gain. Gain is gain. Gain are gains, period. If you're looking to get back to lifting from an injury, please do not use the pain as a frame of reference for improvement. Instead, listen for tension. Tension or challenge. Where do you feel it? When does it start? If you are having experiencing knee pain, do you experience knee pain at the bottom of the squat when you first start a squat? Are you experiencing back pain when you sit down, when you stand up, when you go into a deadlift? Listen for that tension point. Sit into being uncomfortable, but by no means is pain your friend. The take home here message is this. When it comes to rehabbing a muscle or joint, it's vital to understand that you're looking to build tension in a muscle, not pain, especially while doing rehab exercises. Please do not let pain be your guide. Most rehab exercises are working your nervous system to retrain super small muscles to work together again, to be cohesive and be friends. And when we push to pain or to get a burn, we can often do more harm than good by perpetuating the problem that got us there in the first place. We tend to overcompensate and we never strengthen those small, little stabilizing muscles that we need typically to get out of pain. Find attention, avoid the pain, and your therapist can thank me later. Moving right along to step four, which is a simple reminder. We may be bruised, but we are never broken. It's easy to tell ourselves that we're broken and should take a complete hiatus from training for a while. I know, I've been there. And while I'll be the first to tell you that you're more than welcome to take a training hiatus at any time, you simply don't have to because you're injured. Want to know something crazy? There are over 600 muscles in the body and over 360 joints. Okay, you can 100% take that fun fact to your trivia and let them win and think you're super cool. But knowing this tells us that just because one muscle or one joint isn't acting the way that we'd like doesn't mean that there isn't room for improvement in the other 599 muscles and 359 joints. Is there? Absolutely not. In fact, a lot of my clients who have had knee replacements will tell you that they made the most amount of progress on their bench press and pull-ups when they were recovering from surgery than they had in years all because they didn't let the 3% stop them from making it 97% better. I do not say this to belittle your injury or make you feel silly for wanting to lay low. I totally get it. But I do say this to empower you and to make you realize that you can do more than you think you're capable of, even with an injury. See, the game doesn't have to stop because one player's out. Put another one in the game and keep going. As always, I say this with love because I've been there too. Focus on what you can do rather than what you are limited in right now. It will get better with time, I promise you. 
Okay, on to our fifth and final step to bouncing back after an injury. Train for injury prevention. The reason why you landed an injury may or may not be a result of an imbalanced program, poor mechanics, or inconsistent workouts. But I will say that these do constitute a majority of the workout injuries that I've seen. So when we talk about how to bounce back from an injury, it's going to be vitally important that you address the cause of the injury in the first place. Otherwise, we are just doomed to repeat it. So in this last step, I want to cover a list of the most common causes of injury that I've seen in my experience. And hopefully one of these might just resonate with you. To start, the most common injury that I've seen in women is low back pain as a result of not knowing how to either properly control their core in a squat or in a deadlift movement. This can often look like a butt wink in the bottom of a squat, a rib cage that flares up, or a squat where your trunk falls forward. It may look more like a hinge rather than a squat. And as a result, a lot of women struggle to feel their glutes working in hip thrusts or maybe their core working when they squat. If this resonates with you, I would recommend taking some time to learn how to tilt and control your pelvis in neutral uh, while you are squatting and deadlifting. I'd also recommend doing a lot of posterior pelvic tilts, understanding how to do single leg loop bridges without your hips swaying or falling to one side, and doing lots of single leg exercises like marches or split squats, especially if you are feeling that back pain on one side of your back. To know this is if this is an issue of motor control or maybe specifically strength in your glutes, I would highly recommend getting assessed by a professional. Second most common is knee pain that more often than not shoots down the front of the knee at the bottom of a squat. More often than not, this is a result of the quadriceps tendon, which is the big muscle on the top of your thigh or the front of your thigh that attaches to your patella, which is your knee bone. And what has typically happened in this situation is that it has been shortened either by poor posture or maybe sitting too much or a poor movement pattern where we are relying too heavily on our quads and not enough on our hamstrings and glutes. And don't worry, you haven't done anything wrong, but those quads likely should be stretched and strengthened in a full range of motion. And you could probably do more direct glute training in your programming. Third most common training injury I've seen in women is shoulder pain that shoots down the front of the arm when they raise their arm up overhead. I see this a lot in women who have had a desk job or have just finished nursing like sweet babies and try to do some serious overhead pressing or pulling. What may be happening here is that the shoulder is lacking the range of motion and stability to do that overhead work just because of tightness in the chest. And as a result, the muscles surrounding and supporting the shoulder aren't doing the job that they need to do in the overhead position. As a result, more stress is getting put on small tendons that aren't designed to do this. So if this is you, I'd recommend doing a bit of chest stretching and get your overhead mobility assessed before attempting any kind of overhead pulling or pushing. Okay, moving along to the last common training injury I've seen, and this one goes out to my runners who are pounding out the miles. You go, girl. This is a pretty frequent one I've seen in runners because a lot of them, while they're pushing the miles and enjoying it, I love running just as much as the next girl. 
The issue with running is that it only works muscles in one plane of motion. We are moving our arms and our legs and our hips forwards and backwards. There's very little movement or stabilization that has to happen moving side to side. And while I love to head out for a run just as much as the next girl, it's really important here that we balance our training in strength and stability in different planes of motion. So if you are the runner who's been pounding at the miles, I would highly recommend that you supplement your training with some lateral movements like lateral lunges or side planks to strengthen your hips and legs in a different range of motion than what we would call the sagittal plane, which is where most of running happens, where our arms and our legs are moving forward and backward. Specifically, you want to make sure that your training incorporates lateral lunges, curtsy lunges, maybe lateral step-ups, and things like that that are going to challenge the body in a what we would call the frontal plane of motion or moving more side to side. And while I could go on for a few more hours with the injuries that I've seen in both myself and my clients, for the sake of keeping this podcast under 30 minutes and losing any attention spans, I'm going to end here. If I missed your injury and you're curious to know if you're moving properly, head on over to my website at www.truestrengthcollective.com and book a discovery call to get a one-on-one assessment with me for free to discover what part of your programming you might be missing. It is my joy. I love to do it. It makes me happy. In today's podcast, we covered a host of topics, including how to set expectations on your return from an injury how to breathe for a faster recovery, and a few practical strategies for some common injuries that I've seen. As always, if you found this podcast helpful, share it with a friend, drop some stars, or leave a review. Until next time, stay strong, friends. All the love, Coach Laura.